We have been reading about the birth of Jesus, singing about the birth of Jesus, but if you've noticed, there's been a lot of singing about darkness and light, about thinking through what is it that we are celebrating in this season. We certainly are celebrating the birth of Christ. That is the reason we have this season called Advent, Advent, the appearing or the coming of Christ to the earth. He came once as a baby in flesh. He will come again glorified and bringing God's judgment and righteousness to the earth. So much of the story we've read tonight thus far has all been rooted in the birth itself and Jesus coming to the earth. I would like to spend the next few moments, and you can find the passage of Scripture I'm going to be looking at printed in your bulletin in John's Gospel, the very first chapter, looking specifically at verses uh, 6 to 13. Because what John is doing there is he's telling us who Jesus is for sure. He's given us the identity of Jesus. He's given us the nature of Jesus. But he's not, he's not beginning in the birth. He's not beginning in the birth. What he's doing is he's taking us back, if you'll notice in John, well, you don't have it in front of you, but I do, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is rooting this gift not specifically in the birth of Jesus, although that is vitally important. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But he's rooting this gift in the nature of God himself, describing not only is this one coming in the flesh, not one is this one coming to be with his people. This one who comes is the very God creator of the universe. And so John is doing something unique that the other gospel writers doesn't do. He's beginning in the beginning. He's beginning in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and he's building off of that. Why? Because we as human beings… What scriptures tell us, we as human beings have fallen far from God, and we need one, one person, one being in the universe that can make that right, and it's God Himself. And so when we're, we're thinking about the incarnation, we're thinking about God's richest gift to humanity so that we can actually be restored to the relationship we were meant to have in the beginning. So this season for us it is about gift-giving. It's festivities. We do all that. That's all well and good. But friends, what it's really about is a dynamic rescue plan that saves us from eternal death. And I hope that that excites you tonight. And maybe if you don't know that message, I would love to share it with you. But as we're looking at John, John is laying out for us the whole purpose of Jesus' coming. Now, I'm going to read those six verses or seven verses printed in your bulletin, and I'm going to just briefly work my way through them for us tonight for us to consider why do we need light? Why did the light of Christ come? So follow with me, if you will, in your bulletin. And this is God's infallible, inerrant word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I, I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. 
For from, for from him is fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's side. He has made him known. I know you didn't have those last verses. I just wanted to keep the context. What we're looking at here is a brief introduction. John, John the gospel writer, is telling us about a very important man in history. His name is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent by God, as John tells us here, to be a forerunner, to be a forerunner to Jesus, kind of a herald of sorts, to tell the world, hey, I want you to be ready because one is coming and is here who is coming, and he's, he's coming for a very specific purpose. John is sent from God to lay the groundwork for Jesus to come. We are told that John is sent, he's sent from God, and that what we know about John, if we read later on, we don't have time to go into it all tonight, that John is the sum of all the prophets. Pastor Richard read from us from Isaiah, right as we began our time together tonight to give us that prophetic side of the prophets who were talking about Jesus who was coming into the earth. John is the last of those prophets who said he's not only coming, he is upon us. And he has got a specific ministry to do. See, for history, all of history, the Jews and the Israelites had thought that Jesus was coming to, to overthrow the, the, the latest tyrant. In this case, it would have been Rome. But John is laying the groundwork for something more spectacular. John is laying the groundwork not for the overthrow of Rome, but for the defeat and destruction of sin and death. That Jesus is doing something profoundly more real than simply replacing a government he is bringing life to dead hearts. He's bringing renewal and redemption to those who are lost, we're told, in darkness. But what I love about this, and you don't pick this up from the English, he says there was a man sent from God. He came, the SV says, as a witness. Literally, it should read, he came as a testimony, that John's life is a testimony, that John was sent. He was created. He was created for the very purpose of being a living testimony to this one who was coming. That's how important the life of Christ was that God created John the Baptist for the express purpose of being a voice, of being a testimony, of being one who bears witness to this one who is coming. And when we think about John's testimony, just I won't spend a ton of time here. Historically, it was vital. It was very important. How many people do we read about even later on in the New Testament who had believed John's word and been baptized into a baptism of repentance but needed to go one step further and claim Christ? So his message sent a ripple, a, a ripple effect through the entire New Testament, through the entire church, because it was by this man's message that people began to believe. In fact, I would tell you this, my friends, we are here tonight primarily because of the Holy Spirit and God, but also because a faithful messenger from God received his call and proclaimed his message. And he did it until the day that he died. He did it even unto death. So even in John, we begin to see what is, what is the Christian life? What is the Christian call? It's sacrifice, laying down our lives for the sake of others, laying down our lives in the kingdom and for the kingdom of God. Understanding that the message that we have in our hands that I've opened before you tonight is the most important thing ever in the world, and that it is worth living for, and it is worth dying for. And we get that in the beginning from John as he's laying the groundwork for Jesus to come. And so, but John wants to be clear here. He wants to clarify for us. So he says, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. 
And so John then, what is the mission of John the Baptist in Scripture? To bear witness, to be a voice, to be a testimony, to be the one pointing to this one who was to come, the one who we are here tonight to celebrate, who we sing of, who we pray to, who we trust in. But then John, the writer, he, he, he transitions for us so that we understand what is the mission of Jesus. Why are we celebrating tonight? Well, he gives the most succinct mission of Jesus that you can find in Scripture. So when we think about why did Jesus come, what was his purpose, why are we celebrating, it is right here. He says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So firstly, what is the mission of Jesus? To come to those who are in darkness. And he calls him here the true light. Now, it's interesting, that word. Don't think so much as true versus false. Think more of authentic, that there are things that appear to be light in our world that might lead us in a direction, but those are not true lights. The true light is the light that leads us back to God. The true light is the light that leads us on the pathway of salvation. The true light is the light that rescues us from ourselves and brings us into a state of joy, hope, righteousness, and salvation. So when he's, he's talking about the true light, he's talking about its authenticity. But it's interesting here. He already sets the tension. So we've, we've got the mission. We've got what John the Baptist wanted to do. We've got Jesus. He's bringing true light into the world, and there's a lot more we could say here. But then he sets the tension for us. As this true light, which gives light to everyone, he was coming into the world. Here's our first obstacle. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So obviously we have an issue here that Jesus comes to the world and humanity is blind. What, what is that telling us? Well, it's telling us something very clearly, that sin, which is in the world, which is operating in the world, is very powerful. So powerful, in fact, that when the creator of the world comes as a, as a man, when he comes and even does the things that Jesus did, says the things that Jesus said, was able to accomplish the things that Jesus accomplished, that we are blind to it, that humanity is blind to it. And so we can see now his coming, how essential it is, because there's a power at work in our own hearts that is powerful indeed, a power that we can't conquer ourselves, a power that, in fact, would blind us from the creator of the world when he stood in our midst. Now, Lest we think, well, I would have been better. No, you wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have either. We would have done exactly what the people of his day did because our hearts are darkened. Our hearts are darkened, and they need the rescue of Christ. But this is the hope, you see. This is the hope. Uh, he, he goes, before we get to the hope, he goes a little bit further, though. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. And then he, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That's actually a startling thing in the flow of the paragraph. Not that it's totally unexpected, but when it's talking about coming to his own, his own people. He came to his own people, and there's a few different directions we could go, but think about those made in his image. He came to people who were made in his image. Per Genesis chapter 1, we are made in the image of God, Jesus being God incarnate. He came to people made in his image, and those in his own image would not accept him. They didn't accept him. It wasn't just that they didn't accept his claims. I want us to get that right. We could say, well, they didn't accept his claims. They didn't accept some of his messages. They didn't accept his preaching. Well, yeah, that's all true, but it's bigger than that. It's not as if they merely 
rejected his claims but thought he was a decent guy. They rejected him personally, did not accept him personally. His claims, all his messages, him personally, he was rejected. And beloved, well, we got to consider that's a, that's a very personal thing to have the creator of the world being rejected by the very ones he created. Why is the incarnation important? Why did he need to come? Right here. It's on display. Why are we in, why, are, why is humanity apart from Christ lost and in the dark? Because they've rejected their creator. Why do they need someone to show them the way, the truth, and the life? Because only one person, one being in the entire creation and beyond can do that, and that is Jesus Christ. That is the sum of the gospel. The good news that though we were lost in darkness, we have the light of the world who is right before us. But it's interesting though, isn't it? Because if you were to read through this gospel and you see he came to his own and his own did not receive him, in other words, his own rejected him, his own did not know him. It's interesting though that when Jesus speaks to nature, it knows his voice. When the storms rage and he speaks, they cease. When the dead lie dead four days even, like Lazarus in John chapter 11, and he says, come, they come. When the sickness is killing and taking or, or, or attacking somebody and Jesus says, depart, it departs. When food is needed and Jesus says, multiply, it multiplies. So nature hears the voice and understands. It's humanity who's been deafened and blinded and led astray by sin. This is, this is the beauty of the truth. See, because Christ has come, we don't have to stay there. We have hope. We have hope that's bigger than merely a season or a, a time. We have hope that is eternal because, as he says, he came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But here is what I will call the divine but because it is so powerful. John says, John says, but to all who did receive him, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the literal word there is the authority, exousia, the, the authority to become the children of God. I want to stop right there. We'll go. So what is the stated goal of the incarnation? The incarnation is Jesus coming in flesh. What is the stated goal? Right here, to redeem God's people. When it talks about those accept, accepting him, to those who did accept him, who are they? What, what is he getting at here? Those who accepted his claims, accepted his identity, and accepted his message and said, yes, I believe. Or like the man in, the, in one of the other gospels, yes, I believe, help my unbelief. Because there's always room for, for doubt in our hearts and minds. But when he says those who, that, that he's given them, he gave them the right to become the children of God, beloved of God, that's so powerful that he restores this rightful place of dignity. That's what that's getting at, the right to become the children of God, the right to be where we are supposed to be, the right to be exactly what we were created to be, which is in relationship with God. There is so much in the souls of this world that cry out for purpose and hope and value, and you know where it's found. It's not found in any of the things that most humans pursue. It is found right here. If you are like me, I have pursued it in a myriad of things, and I never find it until I find it in Christ. And so the dignity that we were created to have, Christ restores. 
So when we're talking about believing in Christ, it's more than just thinking that he was right. It's more than just thinking he was a good teacher. It's submitting ourselves to his truth and living by it. And so when we look or when we, who were born, or he says the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He's saying that salvation is God's eternal gift. Salvation is God's eternal gift through the incarnation. That it's not going to be gained by your ethnicity. It's not going to be gained by sheer determination. It's not going to be gained by you just thinking, I'll do good this time. No, 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 no. This comes through Christ. This is why Christ has to come. It's to restore to us the very thing that we cannot achieve on our own. The very thing that remains out of reach insofar as we're trying to do it ourselves. Dear friends, this is the gospel. This is what the gospel is all about. Perhaps you say, Brad, what do you mean by that word gospel? Let me sum it up for you with one of my favorite verses. What is the gospel? That God made him, that is Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, that is in Christ, we become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus come at all? To secure that. To, to, to renew us, to bring us to that place of restoration where we can have hope, we can have life. And it's not about just trying to be the best you can be and doing good. No, 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 no. It's about living for Christ. It's about loving Christ. It's about honoring Christ because He has rescued you and me for that express purpose. And that is so hopeful So we don't preach a works righteousness here. We preach a grace-based righteousness that we are righteous, not because of who we are, but for who He is and what He has done for us. And so we live in a dark world. We live in hard times. And sometimes it feels kind of hopeless in the culture in which we live. I want us to be reminded tonight that despite that, the light of Christ shines. It shines in the darkness. And as John says earlier in that prologue, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we have hope. We have real hope. Even amidst all the despair, all the sadness, all the depression, all the anxiety, and all those things are real, and people, we all really experience them. But in the end, it is the light of Christ that compels us to live, to love, and to seek, to honor God but to give ourselves away. One of the things that John the Baptist says in his ministry about Jesus is he consistently says, I must decrease and he must increase. I challenge us this Christmas to start praying that prayer. How can I continue to decrease that the life of Christ might increase in me? And where will it take us, dear friends? It'll take us to bear witness. It'll take us to live boldly, it'll take us to walk humbly, and it will take us to deeper, deeper depths of love for God. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for the message here, and thank you for all that you do for us. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his coming. I thank you for the humility displayed in the incarnation when he laid it all aside to become as a man to take on our weaknesses, to take on our hardships, to take on our sinfulness, and give us his righteousness. Father, thank you for that. And I pray for the hearts that are here tonight. Perhaps maybe there's one or two who never trusted in you. I pray that you would capture them. 
And I pray for us who have trusted in you and walk with you for some time that you would recapture us with the wonder of the gospel and the incarnation. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.